I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Corner of Gray Street podcast. I'm Bruce, and joined as always by Nolan. Hello, Nolan. Bruce, good morning. Are you as excited for this episode as I am today? Absolutely. And contrary to popular opinion, this is not going to be the SPAC show. This is not going to be the rundown of the shows recently. We're going off the grid here because we have an anniversary to celebrate, Nolan. Don't worry, everybody. Our reactions to Irvine and SPAC and Summerfest and all of that good stuff and possibly other shows since we're having to delay it a little bit will be coming. But Nolan, Nolan, excuse me, we have something very special for everyone this week, lining up with an anniversary of our own and of the band's. Why don't you set the scene for us? What do we have this week? Well, today marks the 15th anniversary of the Charlottesville 2006 shows. And uh, let's paint the picture for you here a little bit. One, Bruce and I were there. Uh, so that's exciting. So we can speak a little bit more too this weekend uh, since we were we were on the ground, on the scene there. Um, this was the grand opening of UVA's John Paul Jones Arena. Um, although they had had a few shows there before, they were more of a soft opening, but the boys back in their hometown opening up JPJ, a just incredible, an incredible arena um, that we both love. Um, this was also the last shows of the tour for DMB in 2006. Uh, Dave was 39 years old. Okay, he's 54 now, so just Dave in his 30s was uh, was awesome, as he's obviously still awesome, but a younger Dave, and you can tell uh, in the shows when you listen and watch, um, and Bruce. One other takeaway, this kind of era, um, or end of an era, I think, I would say in 06 here, is um, kind of the end of DMB's busiest creative songwriting um they made a ton of music from 2000 to 2006 capped off with the 06 songs yeah um absolutely and i mean i guess you could probably lump in 
07 and 08 as they kind of continued in the march towards Big Whiskey. But through these years, they were playing those songs uh, live a lot more. I mean, 07 had a couple of new songs, um, A Dream So Real, and um, what else was in there? Cornbread, 27. But after that, they kind of just kept it under wraps. They didn't really play anything in 08 new. I guess they had a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, but yeah, mm-hmm. 2000 to 2006 just saw a slew of new stuff popping up all the time, and um, yeah, this tour had a ton of new stuff. I think that um, some of our favorite songs throughout the 2000, or I guess favorite new songs, showed up in 06. You know, you had uh, "Break Free" and "Shotgun" and "Idea of You." Your personal favorite, "Can't Stop," um, and mm. you know. So the summer of 06 was uh, was a summer of love and summer of new new songs. It seemed like the uh, the even years for DMB um, in the early 2000s were uh, filled with new stuff. 2000, 2002, I think had some stuff, um, and then mm-hmm. you had 2004 and 06. Yeah, throw in you've got Lilywise sessions, and then Every Day, then Busted stuff, Some Devil. The 04 songs, Stand Up. Some Devil, completely forgot about Some Devil. Oh, man. Right. And then uh, the Bats and Sessions slash the 06 songs. Um, So just like, just juices were flowing creatively. Um, Some a little controversial, some widely popular. Some songs got shelved, didn't make the cut. Um, But man, they... They did write a ton of music during this time, and we saw some of those uh, this weekend in Charlottesville. So we're, we're going to dive into that. Um, but, Bruce, before that, just a warning to everybody. These shows, if you listen, which you should, uh, they're going to make you miss Roy and Boyd for sure. And maybe you don't miss Boyd the person or whatever, but you're at least going to miss the fiddle on DMB songs listening to this. I mean, it's it's really good. Fantastic playing all weekend. Yeah, it really, really was. And there's just so much um, energy coming off that stage, particularly from Boyd, which we will get into throughout the shows. Um, and yeah, Nolan, 15 years ago, this is bizarre. It is wild. I can't believe it. We were still in high school together. We went to these shows. We drove up together. I think your uh, your parents took us up there. Um, yeah. We actually had a couple of other friends from high school that were there as well. We have a picture from mm-hmm. out in front of Miller's. Uh, shout out to Alan and Tyler. I'll have to dig up that photo. Um, oh, yeah. Young, young Nolan see. and Bruce. <laughs> wow. No, I cannot believe that was 15 years ago. And gosh, I was a senior in high school. Uh, give a shout out to mom and dad for going to all those DMV shows with us. Uh, (laughs) They loved it. They loved it. Absolute blast. Uh, And they really enjoyed this weekend. And yeah, we stayed there uh, by the downtown mall. And man, I I will never forget going to Miller's. Actually. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I still have the like uh, the newspaper from from that weekend. It was like the commemorative Mm -hmm. like DMV is back home. Um, they had not played in Charlottesville for a while, so it was a it was a big deal at the time. Um, and we think it still is, obviously. But uh, yeah, Bruce, this was your second and third show. Bizarre. I could not believe that. 
I know. It's wild. I mean, so that means, you know, a lot of this stuff is brand new to me seeing live. So, you know, it's an interesting dichotomy between Bruce, the co-host of the Corner of Gray Street podcast, 54 shows in, and <laughs> Bruce High School seeing his second and third DMV shows, a lot of these songs seeing for the first, maybe second time. And, you know, now some of these I've seen 20 something times. Um and just, you know, the emotions seeing these songs and remembering some of the stuff going through like, oh, yes, they, yeah, mm, they're playing Proudest. <laughs> like, I get to see Proudest in the satellite. I've just heard it live, all the, you know, heard it on tapes and all this stuff. And, you know, now you choose your pee break songs. There are, that did not exist uh, in your second and third show. Uh, Nolan, no. what, what numbered shows were these for you? Because you, you had a little bit of a head start on me, I think. I did. I believe this was six and seven for me. So still, really, still pretty young uh, in terms of DMB shows. But um, no, I I vividly remember we were like refused to leave our seats. Yeah, like back then we would not. We were like so focused and like, oh my god, I can't believe we're here. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, just the excitement. You know, we weren't the jaded vets that we are now back then and we loved just about every part of this weekend it was it was great um it is funny though and we'll get into it a little later but some of our opinions are the exact same as they were in 06 about certain songs mm -hmm. and uh and certain performances um one more scene setter though this weekend featured in our opinions and we're right uh <laughs> There are three performances that are the best versions of a song of mm -hmm. all time. Yep. One that is the worst performance of a song of all time. Mm -hmm. But three all-time great, great performances um, that go down in the history books. So we'll get yeah. into that. Um, and there were, I think, three guests on stage that were actually invited on stage and then one uninvited guest that made it on the stage mm. that we'll talk about as well um yeah but right before we start uh with september 22nd 2006 everyone um psa for you both of these shows are now available on youtube via copper pots youtube channel all you got to do is search dave matthews charlottesville 2006 and you can watch both of these shows in full in multicam goodness. I think that he released new version of night two last year during the pandemic and the first version of night one during the pandemic as well. So um, if shutdowns led to anything good, it led to Copperpot releasing both of these shows on his channel. What a legend. So, a true legend. Um, just a credit to the community. And... Uh, so go check those out, and you can actually pause this episode and go check them out and watch them before we give our opinions, if you want, or you can watch after, but I would definitely recommend it. They're fun, um, and it's just cool to see uh, you know, the guys back in 2006 again and in fan shot video. It's always kind of fun when they have the fan perspective. Um, Nolan, anything else before we go in? Oh, one more thing. Was it before night one or night two that we had our first venture uh, to Miller's? Uh, I think that m must have been on Saturday. 
I think it was because I had on uh, the shirt for the weekend. So you're right. You're definitely right. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> we couldn't even buy a beer. <laughs> we just went. We're no. like, yeah, we're at Miller's. Cool. Can't do anything, though. <laughs> get the T-shirt. <laughs> Amazing. Did, t-shirt. did you get one? Uh, yeah, I still have it. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, little 17-year-old Bruce and... Um, whatever year old Nolan, we were not buying beers at Miller's, unfortunately. But no. uh, alas, Friday night, right? 9-22-2006. Friday night. Here we go, Nolan. We're going to JPJ. We have basically dead center tickets um, mm-hmm. in the back portion, basically kind of behind where one of the basketball goals would be. Great yep. vantage point. Um, I've sat here now three times for DMV at JPJ shows, most recently in 2018. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, great spot. And we were freaking pumped. We got in there early to see Robert Randolph and the family band. And I think Dave came out and said that the venue had that new car smell. It still smelled like his good friend, Kenny Chesney, um, who was who had actually already played a concert, but DMV was still the de facto uh, yeah, kickoff grand opening weekend, whatever, um, as they deserved. But uh, yeah, here we go. Night one, Seville, Bruce's second, Nolan's 50th, 60th show, his sixth show. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get it, let's get it rocking, Nolan. Let's get it rocking with Pantala into Rapunzel. Ooh, right now you might be saying, damn, that doesn't happen much, uh, and it doesn't. But opened a show this this tour in uh, 2021, but it was the second most common opener of the 2006 summer. Bet you didn't know that. Now you do. Uh, fantastic way to open the weekend. And has it has a song changed more than Rapunzel in terms of how it sounds uh, through the various DMB versions that we've seen since here? I'll say yes, and it's going to be a song that we actually talk about later um, in this episode. So another song from this weekend, but it's um, as far as like classic One DMV, of. yeah, as far as like a classic DMV sound changing to now, where you have um, you know Tim on electric and um, the horns are a little louder, they play it faster, um, so like the. Sp- spacing of the music and then you know spacing of the instruments and the pacing of the song and just like the feel kind of used to feel a little jazzy-ish now it's pretty much straight rock Um, yeah it's evolved a lot and I really really love the Rapunzel's of old those Pantala Rapunzel's um, I guess 07 and before so between 98 and 07 oh yeah oh yeah I love those and so did Dave yeah, I think everybody did. Dave dancing, Boyd going wild across the stage, Fonz and Carter obviously locked in, mm. and then our friend Butch Taylor on the keyboard uh, in the background laying it down, and then Roy and Rashawn crushed the outro. My biggest takeaway from this version is, one, just how open the song sounds. Um, room for each guy to kind of stand out, and then obviously Carter. He just owns this song. And, uh, yeah. (laughs) There's a reason they didn't play Rapunzel when Carter was out with COVID uh, earlier this summer. Because he's just 
the master at this song. Um, but man, yeah, they they wrap it up and Dave greets the crowd and says, I think I'll drive my own car home tonight. <laughs> oh, pretty yeah. funny. Dave had a theme going like all weekend. I think that's pretty cool when Dave is kind of locked in with the audience. We saw that at the Chords this year. You know, every, he doesn't treat each show like it's its own show. He treats it like it's a weekend, you know, a weekend with friends. So Dave was very talkative um, throughout these shows, which I think always kind of makes the show better, in my opinion. I think I'll drive my own car home tonight. Next up, Bruce, we have Every Day. And I would just point out that it is really weird to think about Every Day only being five years old at this point. Mm. Yeah, like semi-new-ish. I mean, five yeah. years uh, from right now is when Bismarck was debuted at, in Seville. Like, you know, that was five years ago, <laughs> which is bizarre. Bismarck and Virginia in the Rain and Bob Law um, and Sam Cop. Like, that is, yeah, that is crazy. So every day was really pretty, weird. pretty much in its infancy. Um, and we saw a few mm-hmm. everyday songs this weekend, um, and we'll get to those. Um but, you know, one of our favorite uh, stage setups that they've actually had uh, was this year. And it was just because it was pretty cool with the, uh, with the screen setup, Nolan. And they used to have those curtains with, like, you know, shapes and designs on them. And this was, like, the first curtain drop uh, tour mm-hmm. before they started putting curtains over the whole stage and, like, all that stuff. But this was the yeah. curtain drop song of the night uh every day drop the curtains to reveal those three big screens yeah they don't do that really anymore we need to do a whole episode about the stages over the years that would be cool maybe better on youtube so we can actually show them um but i was a big fan about it i know that'd be awesome um yeah the three big screens was cool i don't I don't think in 05 they had any type of screen, did they? No, um, I don't think so. What I remember, um, 05 was a pretty bare stage. Um, yeah. And they had like a lantern or something above the stage, didn't mm-hmm. they? Yeah. yeah, with a big fire dancer and a bunch of like market light looking um, things. So that was that was pretty cool. But 06, yeah, the curtain drop was always a big deal. Um and they did that a few times over the tours since then. Um, but yeah, that was cool. Every day is a, a strange one for the curtain drop. It seems like you do that during Rapunzel when they get into it. But alas, it was awesome. And Bruce, we were pumped for this next duo of songs as well. Proudest and Satellite. Always love seeing Proudest, but especially at Seaville, it just seems like a song about them leaving Seaville um, and branching out and getting big time. So that's always cool. I think they always, almost always play it in Seaville. Yeah, I think so too. Um, which, you know, great nod. And if you go to Seaville and you get to see Proudest, then mm, love it. Loved seeing it at the Gorge this year. Now we're kind of. Uh, Eh, on satellite these days, but never going to be eh on Proudest Monkey, I don't think. Um, but here, Nolan, and I noticed something odd. This is the exact same four songs, well, five if you include Pantala as a song, uh, five song run that opened the show, um, and it opened the 
prior show, which was a week prior um, at Timley Park over there in Chicago. And Nolan, randomly, or maybe not, it's not really random, Dave did this on purpose, um, 16 of the 20 songs at this show were played at that show on September 15th, a week earlier in Chicago. Um, That is wild. This show was, according to Almanac, 49th out of 51 shows in rarity, so very not rare. (laughs) Almost all of the songs were played literally the show before. Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, we may have known that. We still looked at Almanac. We were on uh, the forums and stuff at this time, but we obviously did not care. Um, but that that's kind of interesting. Like I didn't, I really did not know that until now, fifteen years later, doing a little bit more uh, digging. Mm-hmm. So um, now it makes me hate night one because it wasn't rare. And Dave played all the same <laughs> songs in Chicago at a show, wasn't that? Yeah, I mean, gosh, jaded vet over here, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a good show at the time. Um, Oh, it Obviously, is. it's solid. Yeah, it is. Um, and they nail everything in this weekend. Like, they are on point. I guess they, Dave was like, man, we nailed these last week. Let's do it again. They were obviously loving something. Yeah. But yeah, proudest they were loving, and they liberated it earlier in the tour. And it was on the shelf for four years, which is criminal. So, <laughs> you know. That was, I think that was part of the excitement is like, you kind of forget this stuff as, as you get older, but, uh, man, proudest was, was pretty rare, um, until that 06 tour. So when it was liberated earlier on and we were all like, oh my God, yeah, proudest is back. It's wild. And now I think I've seen proudest in a satellite at maybe every show since, um, (laughs) (laughs) just kidding. But there was a stretch where I did see it for like. I swear, 15 shows in a row. Um, I know. It's taken a pretty big dive in the amount of plays um, the last few years, but it's, it's coming mm-hmm. back this year. It's It's got more plays. But, yeah, I think that uh, 06 had a lot, but that, I didn't know that it was uh, it had not been played since 02 prior to 06. That's, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. I like that stat. Good for you, Dave. Good for bringing it back. And good for you for bringing John to Earth back on stage back to earth back to john durth in seaville jamming with his buddies that nice head of cabbage that white lettuce up on his head (laughs) that dude has some great hair full head of hair man that guy's awesome um and we actually saw him at miller's one time in 2012 which we saw Rashawn and Jeff play with him with his band and Miller's. So that was pretty cool. But yes, this was our first time seeing John Durth play with DMB in Seville. And he guessed on the next nine songs, uh, <laughs> which was awesome. Uh, a little weird seeing him on this next one. And I will say, if you're not watching the show, it's a little hard to discern like if it's him or Rashawn. Like, you, know, you just hear a trumpet and I'm like, oh, sounds good. Um, but yeah, they, they start dearth on hunger and Bruce. What? Oh yeah. Odd. But hunger was played 42 out of 51 shows this tour. Uh, wow. They were loving 
hunger for the great light. And uh, while I will say, man, it packs a punch. And they nail it, and Carter actually just, I mean, just dominates it. It is, I do not listen to Hunger often, or ever, uh, but listening to it this weekend, I was like, they actually do a good job with it. And it's short, and it's energetic, and Dave was clearly loving it. Um, you know, the lyrics are not for me, but it was not It was not terrible. I actually enjoyed like hearing it for the first time in a long time. Oh yeah, um, and it's it's still fun, I guess. <clears throat> it's fun. Yeah. Um, it's three and a half minutes, so it's very short, and mm-hmm. it was. <laughs> and we'll get into it potentially making a second appearance over the weekend. Um, spoiler alert: it did. It was a repeat uh, on night two, but yeah, played forty-two out of the fifty-one shows, and didn't really peg that one for being the. Uh, the stand-up staple to be played in the next tour post an album release. That's a little much, but uh, literally, after the song ended both times and Dave nailed his screaming outro, he fist-pumps, just boom, as if he's punching uh, you know, a Mike Tyson knockout punch. He turns away from the mic and fist-pumps in a aggressive manner both times, so he was into it obviously. Um, and speaking of Into It, Nolan, Dave mentioned being way too into the next song, uh, which is a new song, and Dave kind of talked about that maybe he um, maybe he was being told by other members of the band to not be as into it because you look like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Dave brings out the, the Griffin Violet, uh, the tiny guitar, the tiny red guitar, and uh, he said, So this is a tiny little guitar. And when we first started doing this song uh, earlier this summer, I'd get into it and I'd start doing my version of a dance. And then Roy said, don't dance with that little guitar, brother. You look stupid as all hell. So I'm going to try to keep still, even though I think I probably look stupid dancing with the biggest guitar in the world anyway. But, ooh, 06 idea of you. Mm. I know. This this isn't the best version of the 06 ones. Um Dave seemed a little lost uh, lyrically, which is fine. I mean, it's it's still really good, but musically, man, they just nail it. And this was this was just, I think, that song's heyday. They play it really well now. They don't, well, they don't play it this year, but the last play. several years since it was on Come Tomorrow, um, it was good. Um, I always liked the original versions the way they started. Mm-hmm. Um, violin was more prominent, kind of in the um, intro and the verses and stuff. But man, Carter yeah. is fantastic. Um, some great fills in there and yeah I miss the infancy of this song just it was such a um, I don't know it seemed like a very vulnerable song it was very it was very good we always looked forward to the studio version and then when we finally got it they tacked on a YouTube clip at the beginning of the song so uh, maybe not quite what we were expecting woof (laughs) yeah that's an all-time head-scratcher um I think if we ever interviewed Dave, one of my one of my main questions would be about the 04 and 06 songs and just like what happened. Yeah. Uh, I just I need to know because I, mean, I thought the the batch of 06 songs were great. Idea of you and Shotgun together so good and I mean Shotgun has disappeared. Idea of you was in and out. Um, until Come Tomorrow 
and finally landed on that album in 2018, 12 years later. Um, so odd, but just a great song. And, you know, this song gets the people going. Um, I really like it. I wish they would play it more now. Um, I wish they would play this next song more now as well, Bruce, but they do not. It has become a rarity, and that is Rhyme and Reason. What are you doing? And I think up, up to this point, this may have been the best version of Rhyme and Reason. Um, there have been a lot of good versions, and plenty of great versions since then, um, but this is the first time Joe Lawler guested with the band, Bruce, and he tore it up. Sure did, and um, you know, as the Almanac lists him, lists him as Joe Lalo, um, misspelling there. Get on it, Dan and uh, Rob. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was kind of bizarre because so Dave intros, um, you know, a guest is coming on stage. We got another good friend of ours. We're gonna bring up here on the road. Yeah, all night long, y'all. Our very good friend Joe Nolan. And I think we even looked at each other like, oh yeah. Um, yeah. There was like massive speculation leading to this weekend. Who would guest at the shows? I don't really know where this came from. If there were just, you know, trolls on the internet saying things. But I think Eric Clapton was a freaking rumor at one point. And there were other rumors of who would be guesting. And this is just, you know, DMV fans building this massive amount of of speculation and expectations Mm -hmm. and you know dave says all night long and then randolph was the only other guest the rest of the weekend i mean the only other different guests than what (laughs) they already had on stage um right but i mean truly you know um lawler comes up but dearth stays out there for a very long time and then randolph so i guess it was kind of all night long that other people were on stage so dave wasn't necessarily wrong but it was just very odd and he says that everyone's just in a frenzy, and then he goes, "Our very good friend Joe Lawler," and everyone's like, "Huh? Who? What?" <laughs> Dave doesn't say anything about who he is. Doesn't yeah like introduce him at all, saying like, "Hey, this is literally a guy from our crew who does this, that, and the other, and he's gonna come up here and kick your ass on this guitar." He just says, "Our good friend Joe Lawler." Doesn't give us any sort of details, which is so Dave. I mean, it's just so Dave. Um, mm-hmm. But it was fantastic. Lawler's just up there, and he's—you you can tell now as I watch the video—he is already out there before Dave intros him. He's got his guitar on. He's messing with stuff. He's ready to roll. Um, and you know who better to bring out to guest on a song than someone who sits backstage for um, shows all day, every day, and knows their songs probably like the back of his hand.
I know we. Uh, I believe we we knew Lawler because he would update the set list in real time uh, backstage. And if you don't know him now, he's DMB's recording technician. Um, but yeah, he was he was updating the sets in real time. So all you set list watchers, that was thanks to Joe Lawler. Um, so yeah. when he came out, we were pretty excited. Uh, he had the stash. He was rocking the stash. He had the electric guitar. We were like, oh, oh dang. Full goatee. I mean, and the flow. He's got some nice hair, too. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was not common back then to hear an electric guitar on, on DMB songs. So it was always always a treat. Um, but, yeah, Dave, Dave says, yeah, this is a happy song. And then goes into rhyme and reason. Um, <laughs> sure. Which, yeah. I th- those 06 rhyme and reasons were money. And I remember the screens we've, we've talked about before on here, but they had like the trippy, like black and white swirls. Like you're getting hypnotized at the end. That oh. outro, that like spooky outro. Uh, so good. Um, but yeah, I had forgotten about the, uh, the rumor that Clapton was going to show up. And man, wouldn't that have been nuts? I th- he must have been playing somewhere close by. I know. Uh, I, I think I wish you could w- go back and like look. Um, yeah, yeah, that was wild. Like what? Yeah, but that was that was awesome. Um, so then they follow that up with Bayou, Louisiana Bayou, and um, yeah, this is just with uh, with Dearth. Um, so no other guests on this one, but yeah, a great version, um, Boyd. This this one just brings me back, and boy, just like tearing up Bayou, and I, I don't know, I kind of forgot that Bayou became like a Boyd song, mm-hmm. like it was a staple for him, and the crowd ate it up, and they just they jam hard on this one. Uh, I remember you and I jamming hard to it, dancing to it, um, going nuts. Um, Let's not talk too much about Bayou right here because we'll talk about it for the next show. But uh, Boyd, an animal, an absolute animal on this song. Sounds great. Um, Then we get another 06 song, Bruce. Can't stop with a Fonz and Dave intro. And I know how much you love this song. Why don't you talk about this intro? Yeah, I mean, Fonz with some nasty slap of the bass man, um, which I just love when he gets to solo and he does cool stuff. He is so good and underrated and doesn't really get to show it off as much as I'd like. I mean, he does, but people don't notice. People don't know because, you know, bass players are a little bit in the background. Um, And this was really cool, actually. And Dave adding like some little, I don't know, no, it's like a call and response, almost like a jazzy uh, type thing. And then, um, you know, 06 can't stop. So these were the slow, like they just kind of evolved out of uh, Fonz playing the bass riff slowly and then Dave saying it. Um, and then they just kind of kicked into it as a band. It's, it's not really much to it. I think if you've heard an 06 can't stop, for the most part, you've heard all of them. Um, Dave also added some very interesting lyrics at the beginning which were uh, we won't necessarily repeat I don't really want to say them but they were just kind of sexual in nature Um, and you can listen to them (laughs) it's just so Dave uh, doesn't care he does not care he will say just Mm -hmm. about anything Um, 
But yeah, I I don't know. I don't care for the song now. I didn't necessarily care for it then. I don't know what is a better version. Nolan, I know that you like today's version way better, even though you don't necessarily like it. But yes. I, I just don't. I don't know how it evolved into this from what it was on the Batson Sessions. So it had already been recorded as what it is mm-hmm. now, but they debuted it as what it was then. Just so odd. I, I'd love to know how that happened. Did it happen because Fonz teased the riff and then Dave was like, oh yeah. Because we kind of, I think we talked about this on a prior pod mm-hmm. um, that we think that that could potentially be how it happened. Um, yeah. That Fonz I, just teased It's it. just so weird. It's so it's weird. so weird. Um, yeah. Bats and Sessions is the best version. And uh, it did not have the free the beast inside of me part. It was just a violin jam that was Into awesome. the Eastern. It was literally the best part of the song, and they got rid of it. Um, and then the so they recorded that, and then slowed it way, 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 way down for the 06 tour. And then it comes out on Come Tomorrow, and it's the sped up version, but with free the beast inside of me instead of the violin jam. So very <laughs> odd. And I mean, we. We'll just say it. We did not like the song from the jump. Um, so I think this was... I think this was our... Probably one of two eye rolls from us over the weekend. Uh, we just weren't feeling this one at all. And I don't know. The crowd doesn't super get into it. It's just too Man. slow. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Moving on. Especially after Energetic Bayou and stuff. Boyd running all over the stage. And everyone's getting... getting uh, Amped up after rhyme and reason, fantastic Joe Lawler guest spot. Uh, yeah, it was just odd, but yeah, after that, another um newish song, stand up song, uh, Die Trying. And Nolan, this is the one I was alluding to earlier. I think this mm. is the song that has changed the most, and this one actually for the better. You know, I think that Rapunzel is great still, um, but sounded better then. This one sounds worlds better once Tim came into the band, and then nowadays oh, yeah. it is. It, you know, it's a it's a good song. It's fun. It is it is awesome. But this song sounds so much different. I forgot how much different this song sounded back then. Crazy. You might die trying. Uh, wow. It's just like it feels kind of empty. Um, it sounds. You know, well, you know, the studio version was a little empty. Yeah. Um, really weird effects on Carter's drums on this one. Uh, just. Man, it has changed so much, and now it's a, just a absolute monster. Um, cannot picture them closing with this version of Die Trying. Um, but now they've made it. I mean, credit to them. They took their studio version and just live improved it by a thousand. I know. Um, so that they can close shows with it now. You might not want to see them close shows with it, but, I mean, it is good. It's probably the best turned out to be the best song off of uh stand up yeah and it's probably in the history of the band it might be the song that um is that much better live than it was in the studio it might be that have that big of a gap that in american baby intro (laughs) which we'll talk about night two but what was that on the (laughs) studio version oh my god um that's an uh, yeah, Die Trying, 
um, evolved a lot from studio to live. Um, but it was still so weird live in 05 and 06. And now mm-hmm. has become a monster. Um, yeah. And we'll, we'll move on from Die Trying because, you know, it's fine. There's just nothing really much to it back then. So it's just there. Um, and speaking of monsters, the triplets show up. So, so much to say. Uh, anyone's seen the bridge and too much. And the, this is always, you know, a monster live. And these were. And so I was extremely excited. This was my first triplets. Um, I'm sure you had probably already seen them at this point. But, I mean, at is any it a, point. Are time, they triplets or are they a thruple? <laughs> oh, shout out Gorge Weekend. Uh, yeah, this is a thruple. So from now on, we will now refer to these as a threpple. So much to say, anyone's seen the bridge. This is a Gray Street Pod exclusive. We were not involved. We were not involved with said threpple. But no. no. We met some, some nice people that were in a threpple. And uh, look it up. Yeah. It's uh, a thing. But yeah. Yep. Uh, so much bridge, too much. Always awesome. Always awesome. Uh, I don't think Fonz was dancing quite as much as he as he's been dancing oh, lately. Boy. No, he danced. Not, I, <laughs> Nolan, I'm sorry for interrupting, but I looked at this video. I was watching these shows again, and Fonz and Bridge on this one. I looked at him. I was like, he looks bored. Like because I'm now so used to seeing him these days, just yeah, and getting into yeah. it and like dancing around yeah. the stage and. Um, we're on Zoom, so we can see each other. And I was just jumping around. Uh, this is an audio <laughs> medium, so sorry. But now, you know, nowadays he's so into it. And whether it's a stage performance of him, and he actually doesn't care about it or not, but I think he does. I think it's awesome. Um, but then he just kind of stood in one place, kind of rocked back and forth. Um, it just looks like mm-hmm. he thinks this is stupid, but he definitely doesn't. He was into it. Yeah, I actually remember before going to my first DMB show, uh, reading a review of one of their performances um, in 04 and the review was that DMB was very robotic and like not energetic and didn't do anything like they oh, the guy was complaining about them just kind of they didn't say anything they just kind of stood in place and I was like interesting I I've never seen that band perform still to this day I was like I heard it at the time I was like no that guy was wrong he was clearly not paying attention. Yeah, I mean, uh, I wonder what show that crazy. was. It could have just been a random show that, you know, yeah, maybe they just weren't I feeling it I want to say it, it was night. Chicago 04. I feel like I remember it being Chicago 04. Um, Interesting. I don't know. But anyways, yeah, Jimmy next. And this is <laughs> Jimmy Thing 06. Uh, I thought it was still great here. We were loving it. Um you know, an all-time DMB staple, Roy in the Jam, just brings it to another level. For what it's worth, outro, um, which they've been doing for several years up to that point, and Bruce. Something that we totally forgot about that they even did, that we thought was pretty cool at the time, but uh, the Butch Scat. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's, um, oh man, I had completely forgotten about the Butch Scat, and... Um, it used to be, you know, sometimes they do Dave and Butch would each do mm-hmm. a scat. Uh, yeah. Now there's no scatting on Jimmy thing, but we used to get one or two scats. I mean, we would scat out in the parking lot. I mean, who knows? There was so many scats back then. Um, remember the restaurant scats? Does anybody remember that? Shout out to Old Hardy's scats. Um, any, anyways, yeah. 
kind of cool, kind of weird. I've always liked Butch's stuff. He's pretty funny. Um, and I think yeah. that that was, uh, that was kind of fun, especially to revisit. And on the video, mm-hmm. you can see him on the screens as he's playing. So that's fun to watch. Um, Dave thought it was hilarious, and so did Carter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's awesome. Nolan, I've got a bone to pick with the Almanac again. So not only do they misspell Joe pick Lawler's it. name, but they oh, they put the for what it's worth outro there on Jimmy Think just in the liner notes here. And don't put it as like, you know, a song thing. So they don't list it out. Nowadays, mm-hmm. when they do all of these dumb covers at the end of Jimmy Thing, they list every single <laughs> one of them out. But what's the difference? What are you doing? Is it just because they are still playing the same Jimmy Thing song structure and just throw for what it's worth over it? And they actually play kind of the songs? Is that why? Well, because if that's why, I get it. But I'm just so sick of that seeing makes sense. 15 covers listed after Jimmy. And do 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 partial, partial, partial tease, all of these things. Almanac, this isn't necessarily your fault. It's more so Dave's fault for continuing to play all this. But I just want to know, what's the what's the deal there? What's the deal, Almanac? Come on. I think that makes sense. They don't really... Uh, I think the covers nowadays are like traditional covers where they're yeah. actually playing the music. And this one is just uh, built in. I'm going to sing these lyrics over the top of the end of Jimmy thing. Kind of like they do with... Uh, Norwegian wood during pay for what you get or recently or Norwegian you know, wood on pay for what you get <laughs> they haven't done that in like 80 years because they don't play the song oh no oh no old reference old reference god shout out to the but good, a good ones. oh my <laughs> gosh uh man and, we'll reference uh, that song later on in the podcast actually but yeah we will we will um, this next song, Bruce, Dave, um, as they are bringing out Robert Randolph's setup after Jimmy thing, Dave gets to the mic and says, so I apologize. I always like this song. That's why we play it so much. And then goes right into crash and yeah. everyone's like, yeah, it's awesome. Huh? How did you apologize for playing crash? And Were people complaining it about it? I don't know. They must have. I mean, probably it was the same thirty-three that times didn't like Stone back in the day. They didn't like Stone. They're probably the same idiots complaining about Crash, which is always awesome. Yikes. So shut up. Yeah, thirty-three times out of fifty-one shows. That's a lot. Um, so it was played a lot, but I mean, it's a classic. It's an all-time song, and we would love it if Crash was played that much right now. Yeah, I mean, thirty-three is a lot, but. Regardless, it's, you know, their most well-known song. I guess at this point, they probably are, Dave's probably a little bit like, all right, well, you know, this is Jump the Shark a little bit, I guess. But it's great, and it was fantastic here. Just, you know, I love Carter on that song so much, and, you know, Dave nails it vocally. I I did think it was weird that they brought out Randolph's set right after Jimmy, um, mm-hmm. Did Dave want him on Crash? <laughs> and Ro- Randolph wasn't ready? No, because it wasn't listed on the set list. Robert's coming out for two-step. Um, but, yeah, I thought that that was odd seeing it on the on the, um, on the the video. I don't remember that at the time. But, yeah, as I just alluded to, here comes two-step. Here comes Robert Randolph out on stage, gives everybody a big hug. 
um, comes to the mic and says, uh, like, thank you to the Dave Matthews Band or whatever. Loves being here. And um, here we go. I mean, you're kind of wondering, what are we going to get? They played by you already. Like, you know, what's he going to guest on here? And Boyd just jumps into two-step. Here we go. And Nolan, <laughs> is this a good version or what? Nah, it's just I. Uh, yeah, when we mentioned earlier in the show an all-time version of a song, um, this was one of them. So this is, in our opinions, the best two-step of all time. You heard it here first. Uh, it needs to be released. I don't know why it hasn't been, mm. unless Robert Randolph is holding things up, but I don't think he is. Uh, we have Weekend Bruce, on the Rocks. This is just released insane. It with I know. Let's go. This version is insane. It's got it all. It's, what, 20 minutes long? Oh, yeah. This is, I would say, 06 is the best. There are multiple goat versions of two-step from this summer. I saw one in Raleigh that year where Carter just did not want to stop playing. The band would bring it back in, and we've talked about it before, and Carter was like, no, 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 going to keep going. (laughs) This one, this one, the whole band is like, all in. I mean, this was the, I'd say, the highlight of the weekend because they just go bananas. There are like eight different jams within the jam, Bruce. It's, I mean, it's just silly. Yep. It starts off with Randolph uh, soloing and just absolutely tearing it apart. Then the next one is All Carter, and he owns it. And, Bruce, you mentioned. If there's anything you watch on YouTube in the next week, it needs to be this. And that is a a thousand percent true. Uh, Then they both kind of bring it back together. And Randolph and Carter both just dominate for the rest of the song. It is literally insane. I know. And you've got some Randolph improv on the intro right before Dave does his improv lyrics, which were the... um, Back then it was like the... uh, the, um, Daddy, won't you? Da 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 da. Oh, daddy, please. Um, I think he. Tell me the truth. That's what it was. Tell me a story, daddy. He a would true, all, true story. Yeah. So he would do different variations of that every time. This one's a good one. Um, but the rest of the song is just fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah. There's so many, so much improv here. Carter is doing so many different things that one you know there are actually two points i said one at first but there were two different points where randolph just turns around and looks at him and just kind of shakes his head and it's just like oh like what what are you doing um and uh yeah you mentioned you know all those different jams we're going back and forth da 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 and we won't wax on about it because seriously just go listen to it um even if you've heard it 50 times or five times go listen to it again now now um, but at 17 minutes in, Carter changes up the beat here, and it's one of my favorite parts of the song. He just changes up the normal kind of two-step beat, and Butch locks in right at that exact moment. Um, and I've always wondered, were they looking at each other? Did they know what was going on? Um, but I think it was just a musical coincidence, or they were just locked in together. And it's just a great moment, and it's a cool little segment of about 30 seconds or so. 
and then they go back into a two-step proper um, but it was really really cool and there's just so much good stuff in here one of the best two steps of all time if not the best i mean there's so many good two steps good lord but this is just one of our favorite ones and yeah it needs to be released randolph i'm pretty sure has also been on a warehouse disc he's had official releases um it's time like this version needs to be out it needs to be on a warehouse disc i don't give a damn if it's 20 minutes long and you're afraid of putting it on a disc no put it on one now do your warehouse disc just completely digital so that we don't have to worry about cd time length put this on one now this is incredible and it was so good to be able to see it um, in all of copper pot's glory so all hail copper pot this is so good oh, yeah. oh my god yeah i mean this is this is carter at the height of his powers mm. i don't think we've seen him better than he is in this uh and that's that is saying a lot for carter beaufort uh-huh. um man they they should really just like i don't know put out the put out the full youtube video today for the 15th anniversary and do like a free all right that's it. a free download if, that's it if you went to yeah if you went to a show this summer here's your free download of this two-step um, you're welcome thank you Shout out to our good friend Rodrigo. Um, Rodrigo, sir, if you are listening to this, please put in a request. 15 year anniversary, Charlottesville two step, Robert Randolph. Now, please, we love you. Please do it. We love you, DMV management, red light management, everyone who handles everything with the band. We love you so much. We're sorry for anything bad we ever said. Please put this out now. Please, please, please. <laughs> We're begging. Um, do it, do it. Yeah, but seriously, recording, go do it. Oh, man. I mean, I could talk about this song for an entire episode. It's so good, Nolan. But we have an entire other yeah. night to get to, and we're going long. And an encore. Yeah, we've got to get to this encore really quickly and then get into night two, which is, I guess, the true anniversary of the day that we're releasing this podcast. But, yeah, that two-step, awesome. Just go watch it, listen to it, and love it, and live it, and listen to it every All day of, of your it. life. Make love to it. Cool. <laughs> encore time. And it wouldn't be an encore without Sister in the E1 slot, of course. So that's a Dave solo. It was played 26 times in 2006. Uh, yeah, that's just a fact. Bruce, Sister is an 06 song, correct? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think technically it is an 06 song. I've never considered it an 06 song. Um it wasn't until like going back and looking at all this stuff, I was like, "Wow, oh, didn't they write that in 06? It just doesn't like fit in with the rest of the uh, that batch of songs." Um, but anyways, it's a, a very slow, 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 slow version. Um, but that's fine because the next two songs are not. We get a so right into ants encore to end the night. This segue has happened four other times Ooh. on 42702, 9106, which was the same exact encore, 6410, and 6613, and that encore was a blue water partial and then So Right into Ants. So we love So Right. We wish it was played more. Um, this version is fantastic. So Right was played 33 times in 2001, 11 times in 2006, 15 times in 2013, and 11 times in 2014, and those are the most 
uh, So Right has been played on a tour. It has been played only 74 times since this Charlottesville performance. It was liberated earlier on in the 06 tour and had been on the shelf for nearly three years. So they didn't really uh, put it out in 01, played it for two years, and then, eh. So thank God it was liberated. I know. I know. It's it's really weird. And this is the last time So Right was played until um, the 2010 tour. So... We saw Liberated in 06, and then we saw the last version um, for until four years later. So, really odd uh, what goes on with that song, but man, this was so great. And then going right into Ants. Ants with the OGs, Bruce, come on. Yeah, that was fantastic. Um, and still just could see Ants as many times as we possibly could. I wish we could see it with the... Uh, with the OG guys again, but that'll never ever happen. So we can't harp on that, I guess, but fantastic encore, uh, especially the last two songs. there. so right into ants. What a great way to cap off a solid first night, even though it may have not have been the most rare, uh, may not have brought out anything, you know, crazy, um, that people were probably expecting. Uh, that's fine. We still got one of the best two steps of all time. Um, a great encore. Um, some other good songs in there, too. The band was definitely on fire and feeling it. Um, but we move on to night two. And this is you know, still a famous show for us. We always talk about when September 23rd hits, we're always like, oh, Seville Night 206. For some reason, um, we never really bring up 922 for night one uh we always mm-hmm. 923 it always resonates um for just what etched in ever. our brains yeah it really really was um nolan and you know this show was it still lives still lives with us it was nearly three hours long um with mm-hmm. seven songs going over 10 minutes and four of them being 14 minutes or longer which is that's pretty wild you just don't see that too often, especially since we just came off of seeing a couple gourd shows that were right around an hour and 50 minutes long. They were that short. They were under two of the three were under two hours of music. Oh, um, which is, oh. I know it's, it's wild. Uh, but this one is very long and very awesome. Um, and yeah, I mean, let's get into it. Nolan, we had uh, closer seats, but slightly off to the side um, on Boyd and Butch side. Right there, kind of yep. mid-court, I think, is where uh, is where I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, midway up, mid-court, yeah. we had a good vantage point. We could see your parents sitting dead center uh, right behind <laughs> where the goal, basketball goal would be. Uh, and we could oh, just yeah. see your dad's smiling face all throughout. So that's always awesome to see. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And yeah, here we go, night two. What are they going to open with? They're going to do something rare, open with the stone, something like that. What's going on? Uh, nope, but that we did get an awesome opener. Yeah, not quite. And I still remember the band walking out. I can picture them walking oh. out for that night, too. It was so cool. The anticipation, man, everyone was so excited. And you could just feel it in the building. Mm. Uh, it was it was just different. That show felt different. Um, but yeah, we get One Sweet World, which was the most common opener of the 2006 summer tour. Uh, so they were definitely feeling it during the summer of 06, Bruce. We got the two most common openers. Oh, <laughs> uh, they, yeah, that is interesting. Um, but it was great, good, good start to the show. Yes. Um, then we get basically a second 
uh, opener here next with Seek Up, a 20 plus minute Seek Up. And mm, this version is, again, just on a different level. This, everybody, great all around. Boyd, uh, I think Boyd especially just sounded insanely good on this one, as he did all weekend, man. This was, he was one of the MVPs of the weekend. He was he was great. Uh, Roy, Boyd, Dave's whale is so good. Carter, and Carter and Butch lock up again. Um, man, just a great version. my third show and have never having seen it um and just really really wanting it and it was it was really great there's a lot of good stuff in there so i would implore you all to go find that um and listen to or watch it here um and seek up has only been played twice in seville i think we've seen both of them one sweet world as well no only two one sweet worlds in charlottesville um which is wild uh or at jpj excuse me so i don't know if of, you know, obviously, other venues in Charlottesville have seen a lot of these songs a billion times. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, at JPJ, those two have only been played twice. But you know, we we wow. keep going. Uh, we've got Gray Street, solid, no third verse though, so we won't even talk about it because that's just blasphemous. <laughs> uh, we can't do that. And Nolan, after that, Dave gets handed that little tiny red guitar, and we all know what great music comes out of that little thing. Um, gosh. I just love that guitar. I wish he'd write another song on it, really. Um, but this is another yes. one. And it's another new song for 2006, um, and it's the ver- it's the version. It's another one of those. We got the version of this song. Um, it's been released now. I was begging for it for years. Um, Dave mm-hmm. says this isn't a tiny guitar. I'm just enormous, and this performance of this song is pretty enormous. This guitar isn't that small. I'm just enormous. 
<laughs> shotgun baby we were hoping for it uh man i saw one of the one of the first versions of it yes. earlier in the summer it evolved so much over the course mm. of the 2006 summer um man we were so just beside ourselves at how, how happy we were that they were playing the song and so was the rest of the crowd i mean when Dave first hits that riff, that signature shotgun riff, the crowd absolutely erupts. You're going to listen to it right now. And which is crazy for a new song. This is only the twelfth time that it had been played, and people are mm-hmm. already going. That's when you know you have something. You know you have yes. it when the entire crowd um, just explodes on that. And when Carter hits it, oh man! And it is so. I mean, the rest of this song is just so so good. Um, <laughs> gosh, dang it, Dave! This song had so much potential studio potential mm-hmm. and we still don't have a studio version of this song i know and this was this was peak shotgun this uh <laughs> obviously we said it's it is the version it, it is. is the best version and uh, man it's just been played so sparingly over the years since this um it's almost like they should have just they should just stopped after this version honestly i mean i I, th- I kind of think Shotgun got the Spoon treatment a little bit, where Spoon, the best version, they nailed it in the studio, right? And now they've played it, what, 25 times or whatever um, since it came out on Before These Crowded Streets. I think that's kind of the same thing with Shotgun. They just, like, absolutely nailed it, and we're like, well, I don't think we can really top this, so... I don't know. It's been it's had a, a weird journey, Bruce. Um, kind of sad to see. We love it so much. It is so much fun to listen to, to see live, to play on guitar. Um, but yeah, it has uh, it has only been played uh, forty five times. I mean, and it is, maybe you're right. Maybe they, they knew they nailed it here and they were, well, we got to change it up. And they started changing up the timing on some of the stuff. And Dave changed up. He wrote some set lyrics, which talking about the TVs on or whatever, um, or watching mm-hmm. the world on TV must be something better. On, like, no. um, 
this is it. This is the version. Um, I don't even want to listen to any other shotguns. This is the one. Um, right. There's just so good. There's the intro. Uh, Dave building tension and just building vocal crescendos. The band crescendo with him. Carter just, just losing it. Ah. And then they have that little tiny outro with the horns. And Butch kind of layering a little bit of piano in there. I'm like, keep doing that. Like, play more. I know. And I was like, I man, they, they do that in the studio. They could lead it into any, anything could happen. And we don't have a studio version. The only thing we have is like a Batson Sessions, like, basically noodle fest. Yeah. It's yeah. not, you know, they, they were noodling in the studio. They, were, they didn't know. Dave was just mumbling. And I don't think he had a voice when they recorded that version. It's like very shot uh, vocally. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, I would say I would put this version of Shotgun up against the best versions of any other song that DMB has played. It is that wow. good. <laughs> Ooh, these are the kind of hot takes you come uh, to the corner of Gray Street Podcast to hear, and I oh. love this yes. right now. Um, we could have a yes. whole episode debating that right there and playing best versions of songs um yeah uh argue with us people and also tell tell us there's a better version of shotgun because there isn't there isn't you can <laughs> dm us you can email us you can send you can us add versions, us you can add us on twitter and you'll just be wrong you will truly be wrong because it's not possible and people say it all the time that there is this version and this and this is better in 07 and oh no 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 quiet down pipe down uh <laughs> this is it um they all nailed it so go check out warehouse 10 volume 4 uh shotgun 92306 and bruce yes. let me jump in uh real quick here we actually man so i've seen shotgun twice i've missed it by one show two times oh and yes so this kind of research you get here at the corner of gray street podcast it was also cut from a show we were at that is true unbelievable but we missed shotgun by one night it was played the show before our charlotte 2013 show Uh, it was played at orange beach alabama wow that is random yes very random after that performance it went on the shelf until May 11th, 2016, and that was the last time it was played. And Bruce, that was the quote-unquote tour opener of 2016. The show right before that um, was the Charlottesville 25th anniversary show. So they liberated it in Wichita, Kansas, and not in Charlottesville. So And didn't play it. That stings. They haven't played it since. They have not played it. Nope. 2016, it saw oh one God. one performance. Um, actually, since since 2010, uh, yeah, since 2010, it has been played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve times. Um, <laughs> Count them out, man. I did. Had to oh, do it. That's brutal. But yeah, missed it. The last two performances missed by one show. Which might be for the better, because we can always have this 06 Seville version, the best ever. And uh, I guess I'll be, we'll have to be okay with that, Bruce. And we'll have to be okay with the rest of this set, because 
It's already happened. There's nothing, uh, nothing to change about it, and we wouldn't change much at all. We definitely wouldn't change this next song, Don't Drink the Water. Mm. Another, I mean, there are so many like good versions of songs played this weekend, but this one especially, Fonz turned up in the outro. It is overpowering at times, and it just sounds awesome, super unique, and uh, we don't hear a lot of that anymore. And this one has an extended Dave Whale well at the end of the song, and you know the best version of that is Central Park. Um, but you don't usually get the the added Dave Whale well in the outro, but we did. I'm going to argue with you on the Central Park because I put this oh. out last year when um, they put, oh, what was the date? I think it was 7204 at SPAC. They put that on Sirius last year. Um, or was it this year? Yeah, it was earlier this year, actually. And that version of Don't Drink the Water has a nice extended outro. And I think I put each outro on our uh, Instagram story and told people to argue which one's better. Um, it may have even ended up like close to a 50-50 tie. But this is another one that um, I will die on a hill yelling about the 7204 SPAC outro is going to be better than Central Park for me. Um, but mm. this one's another good one. Central Park is goat. I mean, it's just fantastic. Uh, that one's great. This one's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I forgot that they did that Dave did a little extended whale there at the end. So that was pretty awesome. Before the song, Nolan... Uh, Dave also talks again about it being the hometown. If you see a stumble drunk dressed in the same clothes as I am later on tonight with his thumb out, y'all be nice enough to pick him up and take him home. Yes. He kind of did this stuff a couple times over the weekend just saying, you know, that they were home. And after that, him and Boyd and Carter are laughing about something and keep talking. And it's just cool to see on the video. So take check that out. Um, and something that you may not want to check out is the next song, a repeat of Hunger for the Great Light. Um, I was not hungry to see this again, um, <laughs> but it is what it is. Uh, you know, I think you put this note in here. Um, I wouldn't even be mad if I saw it at a show today. And I wouldn't necessarily either. I mean, the best show that I've ever yeah. seen, I think, um, had hunger as a part of it. And it's just it's three and a half minute, minutes. It gets some energy going. And kind of at the end, you're just like, <laughs> all right. I mean, all right, cool. I mean, if you're yeah. nailing it vocally, it is what it is. And, um, yeah, it was a repeat, which is very 
just kind of strange. Yeah, a couple things on that. Um, Dave before the song says, this is a little love song. And um, I think if they played it right, if I saw it at a show now, I would just like laugh. It would be like seeing I Did It. I would just be like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. Although I think it's a better song than I Did It. Um, yeah, it's just kind of funny. Um, again, they played the crap out of it that summer. And uh, Dave was feeling it. He was vibing. Um, but yeah, one thing with the repeats they tend to repeat way less now. Uh, I feel like back during this time with the band, you were you were certain to get a repeat at a two or three night stand. Um, but yeah, they, they stopped doing that, and I think it was around kind of the mid or the late two thousands. They kind of got away from it a little bit. Um, but I remember at this weekend we were like, oh, only two repeats. Like that's sick. And now we're like, huh? They repeated songs? What? <laughs> so, I know. I know. It it's is funny def- to like to look at that <laughs> from being there then and looking back now. It's that's a interesting juxtaposition, Bruce. Yeah, it really is. Um, it is bizarre, and I don't know when that changed. I think uh, in that oh eight. 20, maybe 2010 was when they kind of really started focusing on not repeating songs at two night stands. Um, yeah. yeah, it was much more common back then. It's just very odd that Hunger was one. Um, and we'll kind of talk about some of the songs that were played in 2006, whether sparingly or a lot, that didn't get played in Charlottesville. It's just kind of odd that David would want to play Hunger again. But obviously, he does his Mike Tyson fist bump after. Uh, so he's loving it. And um, a song that everyone should love. Um, was up next Loving Wings um, doesn't really get played much anymore but good song because you know there's not much to it uh, but Carter always gets to go off uh, we get some good stuff from the horns not a lot from Roy in this particular one uh, Rashawn does more and he was good but uh, Carter mm-hmm. is just always so good on this song and I think that we both missed that one Definitely miss this song. It's, uh, got nine plays, summer of 06. Um, yeah, I thought Rashawn's playing was really nice on this one. He's a little bit more like, a little bit more subdued um, as a band member, this being his first uh, touring year uh, full time with the band. He guested, obviously, uh, a little bit in 2005. But um, yeah, good stuff by Rashawn here. And, Man, this was a song I thought maybe we might get like at the Gorge this year, but uh, but alas, we did not. Um, no Carter for that one. But man, oh, I would love to see Loving Wings again. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. Um, that was, you know, another song along with Proudest Monkey. I thought this was like a perfect Gorge song. Um, Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, whatever is what it is. Um, after that, they picked the energy back up with Tripping Billy's uh, "Nice Nature" intro. It was a short version. Uh, Boyd again all over the stage, crushing it. It's pretty awesome. Um, and then after that, we bring out Joe Lalo again. Um, Lawler comes out with a second guest spot um, in history and destroys another song. He creates another goat version, best of all time here. Nolan um, and randomly, if I had it all. From the Everyday album. Um, wow. That we were not expecting. I don't think anyone was expecting that. Um, but this no. is 
I mean, it's, it's a fantastic version. Uh, Nolan, why don't you go ahead and wax on, wax off about this one? Because I think we even have another bone to pick with the Almanac here. I mean, just unbelievable, guys. <laughs> Man, really taking it to the Almanac. Uh, <laughs> good. Um, yeah, w- one thing to note, just... Um, just came across this on the almanac, so thank you guys, uh, Bruce. What if I told you "Loving Wings" and "If I Had It All" had been played the exact same number of times? Huh? I'd be like, that is a wild and interesting stat, and I would have guessed "Loving Wings" was played a lot more. Yeah, they have both uh, been played ninety-four times. I would not have guessed "If I Had It All" was played ninety-four times. Wow. Well, it was played a ton in 2001 obviously album year um but since this seville show how many times do you think it's been played since charlottesville i'd have to go um under 10 i'd say six. Oh, you're close yeah that's pretty good that's pretty good four times okay wow four Jeez. times yeah once in 07, once in 2010, once in 2012, and once in 2019. <laughs> That's so random. Wow. It okay. is so random. And yeah, I would love, I would love to know why they decided uh, to bust this out with Lawler. Like, yeah. does Lawler love this song? Is he, or were they like, hey, what songs do you feel comfortable playing on? And he was like, oh, rhyming if I had it all. Or, you know, whenever we have Joe Lawler on the show, we're going to ask him yeah. and uh, and we will find out and you'll hear it too. Um, but yeah, if I had it all, had been played nine times in the 06 tour. So obviously they've been playing it a little bit. Um, but yeah, this is another the version. Mm. There is no better version of if I had it all. Um, and this is all thanks to Lawler Carter and Dave, yes. they uh, they both give it their all. It is their song. Dave's wailing, um, a uh, holding back the years interpolation, and uh, well, this was your beef with the almanac. <laughs> Dave Dave sings it several times. Um, yeah, he says it, it is not. I oh, know it's not on the almanac. So this is our submission uh, and application for this to be added to the almanac.
they played it and it's on, I think, Live Tracks. It's West Palm, Live Tracks 42. Um, they do a Holding Back the Years, but they you know sing a little more. Holding on. And this one, Dave doesn't do that, but he's saying, you know, holding back the years, and he says it multiple times. So, uh, Rob and, uh, and Dan, y'all just come on. Like, let's get it going. Uh, listen to every version of every song ever and pick it apart. Okay, you guys need to get on it. But um, this consider this our submission. <laughs> we're just messing with you guys. I think that they know this. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> we're just messing with them. And, you know, if I had it all, they did have it all. Dave had it all. Lawler had it all. Carter had it all. And they gave it their all right here, like you said. Um, and it was fantastic. I think this is another one that should get a, um, a release. I think that we should have this on a warehouse disc at some point. I mean, it's a fairly rare song. Really rare these days. Um and so it'd be perfect for a warehouse disc. Great guest appearance by Joe Lalo. Um, yet again, um, <laughs> I wish <laughs> we had come kick your ass. You better say his name right. I know Lawler, Mister Lawler. Please come on the pod. Um, can't wait to have you on. And I wish you would have stayed for this next song. Nolan would have been awesome. I uh, wish we had more uh-huh. Lawler, but um, you know we have to wait. We'd have to wait a few years to. Well, I guess we saw him that next summer, but um, we'd have to wait. You know, throughout our yep. DMB show history to see more uh lawler on some songs but nolan they went um they went for another long one next um actually this if i had it all was nearly 10 minutes it was two seconds away from being 10 minutes so it could have been added to my seven songs of 10 minutes or more list but this was a uh this was a long version it was awesome and then next uh the crowd starts to get a little antsy they start to chant for halloween here nolan um but instead we get crushed. We get it before these crowds of street song. Um, and mm-hmm. this was at the time and still is, I think, your favorite song of all time. Is that right? You know, it's 1A and 1B crushing two-step for me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they go back and forth. Um, yeah, I can't decide. At the time, though, I think, yeah, Crush was my my favorite song. Um so obviously loved seeing this one. Crowd should have known Dave had the drop D. Wasn't gonna play Halloween on this one. <laughs> but obviously we knew. We knew exactly it was gonna be Crush. Um, I know Fonz was playing an instrumental intro. He's playing a bass solo. Yeah. Like duh. Come on, guys. Um, but yeah, just another another great song. And so far, this set list is pretty money. And this is a another just. It's hard to call call a version of Crush a standard version of Crush, but they're just all so good. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's yeah. Here's another uh, just solid performance of a song, and then it, song ends. Crowd chants again for Halloween, <laughs> and they got it. And Bruce, right? They got it. Halloween at Seville. <clears throat> no. Halloween dressed up in the costume of Dream Girl. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. That was that was. It, I remember this moment like very vividly of crowd chanting <laughs> Halloween and us being like, "Yes, yes, Halloween!" And then all of a sudden they started that and literally like. A wet fart balloon being deflated. The, the crowd just like, what? Okay. 
I mean, uh, I'm sure there were some people like, yes, oh my god. But um, yeah, all the dream girls. Yeah, but no, yeah, that was that was the only moment that I remember from that weekend. Besides one more that we'll talk about, where the air was literally just let out of the building, um, and where people. Yeah, were this was a like, bad call oh, by Dave. Ooh. I'm not even going to count hunger in this. The hunger repeat in this. Um, it's not in the same category. This was. <sighs> this is just not. It's just not good. And there's a reason they don't play it anymore. Um, they probably will very soon to troll us. Um, but joke's on them because probably not going to any more shows this year. So, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. But uh, yeah, the the music, I like the music. The music is nice and chill. Um, 13 plays the summer tour. And uh, I, I don't think I'd listen to the song in, I don't know, maybe a decade. I think maybe one time... It came on Sirius XM in my car, mm. um, but had not I had not listened to this version in a very long time, and there was a reason for that. Um, Bruce, you could argue argue though with the almanac again um, that this segues into Nancy's. Yeah, I mean it's basically a what maybe one second gap in between the complete end of Dream Girl and the beginning of the Nancy's riff. Um, yeah, I'd like to see some arrows right there. Just throw me those double arrows. Let's get some more segues here. Um, I guess you could argue it either way, but um, you know, shout out to our guys at the Almanac. You guys are great. Y'all do a fantastic job. We love you, and we love picking on you here on the podcast. Um, we've shouted you out just as, about as many times as we've shouted out Dave this episode. So uh, you're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, Nancy's next with a pretty interesting intro. By Dave, there um, is pretty unique. I think that you know, around this time it was like the drunk man intro, and like crazy, this was like a crazy man intro, um, which is has always been eerie uh, because of what happens later on in the show. But yeah, I, um, you know, mm-hmm. take a listen to this, Nancy's. It's, it's pretty, you know, again, you said standard version of um, Crush, I'd say a standard Nancy's, but Boyd, again, going off all over, all over the stage, running around. In Carter's face, Fonz's face, Dave's face, every you know, just everywhere. I think this is like the second of maybe three times that he th- his uh, sunglasses falls off in this show. Uh, they come off later <laughs> on as well, but this is they come off here as, as well. Um, and it wasn't like he was doing the on purpose, like shaking them off in front of the crowd to get them to cheer. He like shook them off, looking at Carter or something, you know, where it's like no one even sees that they fall off, but they fall off anyways. Uh, so it's funny to see. Um, and, of course, this goes into Warehouse, which is, you know, me being a noob, seeing Nancy's in the warehouse. Um, just, I was so pumped. I'm still pumped today. I mean, I scream like a giddy girl um, when I see Nancy's in the warehouse these days. So I guess, you know, things haven't changed. Oh, no. And they shouldn't. And that's a good thing. You should still be excited to see Nancy's in the warehouse. A DMV staple like no other. Um, man, Boyd was entertaining, man. <laughs> it's uh, so much nostalgia listening and he watching so the, these shows back. That weekend. Yeah, this was, I mean, he was the MVP of the weekend. Him and Carter. Yeah, him um, and Carter. Yeah, wow. This was, it was so much fun. Uh, just good memories of Boyd. Being a wild Muppet on stage, just getting after it. It was awesome. Um, Bruce, 
This next song, though, this was a low light of the weekend. Um, try, I don't know. We try and stay as positive as we can on the podcast. Obviously, it's our favorite band. We like all the songs um, for the most part, but this was another Deflate Gate moment. Um, I don't know. Tom Brady probably liked this version, but we did not. Uh, this is the worst version of Smooth Rider that you will hear. And you wouldn't think that would be the case because they bring out Robert Randolph. And, I mean, we were pumped. And Robert Randolph gives Dave a UVA fedora and Dave wears. And Dave puts on Boyd sunglasses. And it's (laughs) funny. And it's hilarious. Um, Dave just, like, screams his way through this one. He's, like, he's bringing it. He's giving it his all. And we were digging that part. Uh, I remember during the show, we were, like, we were dancing, we were, you know, we were having a good time, and then, then the song just kind of just stops, and it, like... But not it stops. It literally... Yeah, it literally just... When Dave stops singing, the song just peters out for another 15, 14 minutes. Yeah. Um, and it is a... Go ahead. No, it, it is a 17-minute Smooth Rider. Um... <laughs> I know you, if you have made it this far into our podcast, you have heard us mention this before, but this is a 17 minute smooth rider. And I don't, Randolph doesn't even really solo. He, solo, he just like does a solo noodle. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like Carter's just like still playing this like light beat. And then it's really weird I can't tell if Boyd is like trying to save the song or if they're still playing because Boyd is playing like to me I want to go with uh, the former because it's just like no one knows what to do I remember watching everyone's just on stage just like looking at one another like are we gonna end the song or not what are we doing and Boyd's just like alright and just like is trying to (laughs) fiddle his way into like bringing the like a big jam back but no one does anything, and it, it just falls to the wayside, and it's just constant noodling. Yeah, it's it is honestly bizarre. Um, I actually, I fell asleep to the song last night. It was just like so sleepy. The crowd is not into it at all. Yeah, which is a bummer because it's like about to be the end of the show and the weekend, and it was like, oh, and it was, man. it was, it was a little deflating, kind of weird. Uh, there have been some smooth riders with. Um, some you know pretty epic jams in them yeah i think eric krasno's jammed on it you know tim obviously uh, maybe even warren haynes here and there um you know there have been good solos and you know maybe randolph just wasn't really feeling it either or i don't know what was going on but yeah there's just noodling um and it almost was like and this is a uh, you know jam band term type two where they go away from the structure of the song and jam they almost do that at the end where they're not even in a smooth rider anymore it's just like a noodle um but yeah it almost sounds like you know they're at a sound check and they're just kind of like doing whatever which is fine and cool you know if you're at a sound check and we get to hear the sound check but it's not really cool on stage at the end of a show where this massive amount of energy has been built up through the course of the evening and the weekend. Um, 
But, you know, luckily this wasn't a set closer and it wasn't the only song that Randolph jammed on because if so, if they only used him for one that night, that would have been, <laughs> I don't even know how you close the show with that there. Uh, but they go into Bayou, another mm-hmm. repeat um, from the night prior. And maybe, why did you play it night one? You had some other songs. Maybe we could have played night one. But I think it was a Boyd song, maybe night one. Um, but they gave it to mm-hmm. Randolph, obviously, because he was famous for this, um, especially with the Red Rocks release from 05. Um, it was played a lot this tour, but Nolan, this may have been our um, biggest dancing moment of the entire weekend. And, it, and I think Robert oh. Randolph's as well. Oh, yeah, man, this was... The 38th time Bayou was played on the summer tour, but we were just Dave dancing to the max. I mean, we were going hard. I mean, we were sweaty. Um, <laughs> man, this was so much fun. I'm glad we got it with Randolph. Um, this will be the best version of Bayou that I think we probably ever see. And man, it was good. It was a good way to end the main set, um, honestly. And Randolph, I think, was dancing as much as we were. He, he, you know, he's got his chair, his little slide set up, and he was standing up and just going ham and kicks his chair over, just like drop kicks it. Get out of here. And uh, I will always remember seeing that. That was hilarious and awesome, and he was so fired up. It's, I don't know. It's cool to see a musician get that into it. Oh, yeah. And I think I took a video on my little camera that I had, and I was yeah. kind of bouncing with it like this. And then that moment he kicks the chair over, I kind of pause like perfectly as it does it, and it just immediately he kicks it over right as I kind of um, have the camera like slightly um, still. And then even more, yeah! Like everyone just obviously goes nuts with that just terrible quality uh, video camera. I need to find those photos and videos. Um, yes, but yeah, we were we were really really dancing hard. That was a lot of fun. Day, uh, Randolph finishes the song. You know, they finish the song, and Randolph like looks up to the sky, and, like fist pumps or whatever, backs up and falls over his chair. And he literally trips, and then oh, yeah. Dave goes and picks him up, helps him up. <laughs> um, it's just it's just a mess. It's hilarious and it's awesome, and that it's was awesome. a ton of fun. Um, and to send us on into that encore, the epic. Epic encore with the craziest thing we've ever seen at a concert. Uh, man, wild stuff. But first, Dave comes out solo. We get an E1 Dave solo. And it's not sister. It is Butterfly. Bruce, this is the fourth time Butterfly was played this tour. Wow, really? Yeah. And the ninth time ever. First played in 2003, written for the movie because of Winn-Dixie. Um, yeah, the ninth time it was ever played. Bruce, after this, uh, it was only played 12 other times. It has only ever been played 21 times. So that is one of the rarest songs that we have ever seen. Oh, my. And, yeah, it was a beautiful, beautiful version. It was. Um crowd almost completely quiet for it really really pretty i remember the screens and i've got a great picture of this somewhere screens were um orange with a tree i think uh limbs of a tree very beautiful and this is actually on a warehouse disc um warehouse seven and warehouse 10 i think volume three 
um, has this yep. version of Butterfly, and it's it's fantastic. So that was awesome. We we wanted to see that, and we got to. That was perfect. And then uh, I think Dave thanks the crew and everything, and um, you know we're like, oh man. You were, you well, know, before that, Dave uh, dedicated the song to his mom. Oh, was yes. In attendance. So yes. that was pretty cool. Uh, Dave's mom got a nice a nice uh, cheer from the crowd, so that was cool. I wrote the song for uh, one of my little girls, and, uh, but I'm going to send it to my mom because I think she's here tonight. Then things start to get a little more interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, they... He introduced, or not introduces, but thanks the crew, and you know this is the last show, and they've had a great summer and all this stuff, and they go, um, they start American Baby intro, which was, um, you know, played a few times that year, not a ton, but over that, you know, oh five, oh six, oh seven, I think they played it uh, quite a few times, not really yeah. anymore, but um, that was played eight times that year, and this is a great, great version. Um, Boyd builds it up before Dave even starts singing. Boyd and Carter are going nuts, and it's um, it's pretty pretty awesome. I mean, I love listening to this version. I love listening to this song. Honestly, um, great versions of this are great in my book. I love them. Um, but Nolan, yeah, I guess to talk about the song a little bit, um, pretty good version. And Dave holds his first yeah for like twelve to fifteen seconds. This is a long time, and it's like oh my. Oh my god, dude, how do you have that much oxygen? so intense it's so intense the second one like literally thought he was gonna pass out I know. his I'm, face we watching oh his face you just see his like his neck you're like dude that cannot be good for you no no way i think rob nowadays is like uh yeah you can just like throw it at the end of lithog please don't scream ah. you're gonna make my job <laughs> really hard yeah uh, but dave did not care back then and that was it was pretty cool. Um, what a good song that evolved tremendously from a, I mean, it wasn't even a song on stand up. It was, it was nothing. Yeah. I don't um, know so was. I don't, I'd love, actually would love to know how they got this version of ABI from the studio version. It's really weird. Um, it's really weird how they got the yeah. studio version. Yes. That is also weird. <laughs> Shouldn't have happened. Should not have happened. Um, yeah, this hasn't been played since 2011. Randall's Island Caravan. Oh, so, my God. Ten years. Ten years. That would be quite the liberation if they ever do that. Um, 
But Bruce, as this show is, or as this show and as the song is winding down, uh, you know, Carter's doing his little outro, and you know, it's getting quiet, and we see first we see Monk, uh, Dave's guitar tech, and he's got the last stop guitar, and we're like, yes. They're going to do it. It's the last stop of the tour. They're going to play last stop. Dave's the man. They're all the man. Like, they're going to do it. And it's going to be an epic way to end the show. We look over. We see Monk with the guitar there. And then all of a sudden there's a commotion behind Carter. And we're not quite sure what's going on. But there's an extra person on stage that we don't know that we don't know why he's there. What do you remember from this? I it's hard to piece together the end here because I don't remember actually like seeing um the extra I remember seeing the commotion and like Daryl running across stage and other maybe security people coming over. I don't, you know, really remember cuz we were off a little to the side. We would have been slightly blocked by Carter, slightly blocked by Dave. So we didn't have yeah. the best. Didn't have view. a great angle of it. Mm-mm. Yeah, but yeah, we did have a good angle of Monk always. And if he was bringing a new guitar, you know, if there was going to be a guitar change, you could always see that. And we saw that, and kind mm-hmm. of saw him kind of pause. And you know, we've always kind of talked about yeah. Well, the guy that came on stage who is now known as Trenchcoat Guy, Trenchcoat Man, Trenchcoat Curse Word. Um, <laughs> You know, we always were like, well, Dave stopped that guitar being brought on stage because of Trenchcoat Guy. Um, And maybe he did. But Nolan, I've been doing some video investigating thanks to Copper Pot, and I'm not sure if the timing is correct anymore. I think they were cooking up something else um, over there. But we'll get to that in just a second. Nolan... This guy that gets on stage has several moments throughout the night that, number one, we were involved in, one of them. Number two, other members of the crowd were involved in others. And then he winds up on stage and thrown down the stairs by Daryl. Nice toss. Um, (laughs) But let's start from before the show even starts. Nolan, we saw him. We did. We saw him. We were driving uh, to the venue with my parents. And we see this dude in a trench coat playing guitar on the at an intersection. Oh, was he playing? I thought he jokes. had it all across his back. Either way, yeah. Or yeah. maybe... Whatever. Yeah, he had a guitar he with him. He had a yeah. guitar. He had a guitar with him. And I think you're right. I think it was on his back. And my dad, who's driving... Points and he's like, "Look, it's Dave." <laughs> just he did. Like, just it making was. A, oh, it's. He just thought it was hilarious. It was funny. The joke. We all laughed. We were like, "Oh, what's he doing out here? He needs to get in there for the show." It was. It was trench coat guy. Yeah. It was like a hundred percent. I'll never forget what the guy looked like. Yeah. I mean, it was. He. I mean, you didn't think anything of it, really. At the time, but then when you see him all of a sudden on stage later on, it's yep. like, oh no, it was oh, that unmistakably guy. him, one hundred percent. Because we, I mean, you don't forget 
uh, moments like that. And no. it, yeah, I will never forget seeing that guy on the side of the road. Probably would have forgotten about him if, um, you know, this didn't happen. Yeah. But no, yeah. that was like one of those chilling moments where you're like, that was the guy. Yep. Oh, there is no doubt about it. It was the same guy. And, you know, I guess to kind of set the scene a little bit, you know, we see him there and then during this outro of ABI, and you need to check out the video of it because it is like so crazy to see, so weird get chills thinking about it because something bad, really bad, could have happened. I don't know what the guy's intentions were, but he just appears from behind the like the stage, like through the curtain, behind Carter. Yep. And he has this like weird, weird walk. And he's going like right for Dave. And Dave is just like eyeing him. This is like one of the only times we have ever seen Carter pissed off. And he is furious he starts throwing drumsticks at the guy <laughs> and yeah like while in uh, he does not miss a beat he he keeps the beat going with one hand and is chucking drumsticks yep if you if you at the dude. listen to just the audio you will hear um carter kind of playing stuff and then all of a sudden he slows down and stops because he's looking at the guy being cut carried away and then you'll hear just like a symbol it's because he has right-handed, overhead-tossed a stick right at the guy, like rainbow toss over his head um, towards yeah. the guy going down the steps and, you know, then looks around. But so, so mad. There are, you know, the, the Copper Pot video shows this, but there's another video just titled Carter Pissed or Carter Beaufort Pissed on YouTube, yeah. and it just locks in on Carter. It's like the person that was recording this just zoomed in on Carter because they were about to do something, which we'll get into in a second. We have a lot to say mm-hmm. here. Um, oh, yeah. But they zoom in right on Carter. So you have literally his face from moment of trench coat guy walking by, getting carried away and tackled to them going into the final song. Um, but it is he is so mad and spooked and just upset. And it is—it's bizarre to see Carter in that, um, in that mood, you know, mm-hmm. separated from all of the, you know, things that we know about Carter. Just, oh, that's just—it's hard to—it's hard to see. It's hard. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. They're fortunate that uh, I don't know that the guy was one walking so slow. He almost looked like he just like wandered into the wrong place and was like. Uh, where, where am oh, I? Oh, he looked um, deranged. He was out of it. Deranged, creepy. Uh, I don't know. I hope that guy's okay and got some help because something was not right. Um, we are just thankful that nothing happened to anybody in the band and that um, even though he may have been a little late getting to him, Daryl just knocked his ass down the stage and was like, you are not messing with my band. Yeah. Um. So and, shout out to Daryl for actually for saving the day on that one. Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone was there um, and had a different perspective, we want to know about it. Email us um, graystreetpod at gmail.com or 
um, connect with us on social media. We want to hear some other stories. There's plenty of them out there on the forums and stuff. And we've seen we've seen things like that. He was at the show. Um, he had been kicked out of the show earlier um, for yelling at the band and yelling obscenities and stuff, uh, profanities um, from almost actually the opposite side of where Nolan and I were sitting, but near closer to the floor. Um, and that he was in there and had been escorted out and then had found his way back. There, There's several things, which is just bizarre. But Nolan, he came up from behind Carter, and you can actually read Carter's lips. He is mad. But, you know, he, his issue was that the guy just came up from behind him. Um, mm-hmm. That is jarring. Um, I believe, you know, there was a... Um, I think it was a drummer. It was a band member of, um, I think it was Pantera or something that had been murdered on stage like a year or a year and a half before this from someone walking up behind them on stage. I don't know if that went into Carter's brain, you know, something, but that has to be really jarring as a musician, um, especially someone that looked like that. This wasn't a fan up there like, yeah, Carter, woo! You know, that's ready to go hug Dave, like naked guy at the Fish show. Literally the next show that I saw at JPJ uh, was Fish there, and a guy got on stage. It was naked guy, and he was trying to hug Trey. Oh, that's weird. Ran around, but it was like, what is going on at JPJ that people just keep getting on stage? What are y'all doing? Yeah, that's nuts. Uh, Man, I don't... (sighs) You can even hear on the audio... Like, video aside, you can hear, like, the crowd, oh, like, murmuring. It's, like, very chilling to hear. You can tell exactly when the guy walks out just by listening. Oh, they go, oh. It's just so... Yeah, it's eerie. Um, I think my parents actually had a pretty good vantage point. They were like, what in the world? Could you all believe that guy got on stage? And we were like, we couldn't even really see the guy. We just knew something weird was happening. And then all of a sudden, someone was getting thrown down the side of the stage. Um, So, yeah. Now, um, that crisis averted. um, But obviously, the band was shook. And... We have always, or I have always thought, you know, Last Stop was coming, and Dave waved Monk off because uh, he was like, what the hell just happened? Let's get out of here. And they just go in to stay. Mm-hmm. So Last Stop was on the set, um, and then they go into stay instead. And um, stay was a pretty popular closer that summer 26 plays on the summer tour so you know they were nailing it um i still think they could have easily played last stop here um and just like you know on to the next play but they did not i'm sure they were just freaked out and were like okay that's never happened before we don't know what's going on like let's just wrap it up um so at least they played one more song and we're just like all right bye so kudos to them for that. But Bruce, you, I think you have a different take on that. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I, I always thought the same. And then I've you know, been watching the videos and kind of just like really studying, just watching Dave's face, Carter's face, Fonz's face, just trying to see like what's going on. And Dave seems to go to them uh, before Trench Go Guy, right before Carter starts a little, you know, build up of an outro. 
And it seems that he's saying something. He's pointing and doing these things. And he looks over Monk's direction, kind of shakes his head. And they like, you know, whatever. And I don't know if he was looking at Monk and if that's when the wave off or whatever happened. Um, but, you know, Monk has an IEM and he can hear what they're talking about on stage. I, I don't know if they were planning to go into stay and just cut last stop anyways. Um, or if they were doing something else. Now, fans were chanting Halloween um, earlier on in the show. Carter's starting to build up of an outro, you know, drum-wise. And they were kind of coming in closer to Carter as if something's going to happen. So were they counting off for Halloween? I want to know. I know I think Stefan has answered this question before, and he just kind of said that they were going to play Last Stop, and then they, you know, whatever. I don't know if that's true. I'm going to – I think that my Halloween thing still has legs here. I don't know. I really want to ask somebody. I want to get the real answer. And regardless, if they were going to cut Last Stop before trench coat Guy anyways and just go in to stay – oh, man. I mean, oh, man. <laughs> just – Really? I don't think they would have done that. I don't, I don't know, think man. They done they, that. Dave makes some weird calls sometimes, and maybe his voice was just shot. He's like, I just did ABI. Like, I just did American Baby intro. I just screamed my guts out. I don't have it. Maybe. But, you know, he screamed during maybe. the day, too. And it sounded good. But that is true. Regardless, Nolan, he they audible. Dave just loudly goes into stay. Carter is still upset. Um, and they played stay and got out of there. And, um, yeah, that was, that was it. I mean, no, no last stop played 10 times That's that year. Nothing. Just stay. Mm. See ya. Uh, tours over. Yeah. Yeah. They were ready to get out of there. Visibly shook, um, after that one, but man, that was just an all time weekend. Yeah. Such good memories. Um, you know, I think a few, a few tweaks, uh, would have made it like absolutely epic sets. Um, you know, we obviously have some of our favorite songs, uh, songs that were played on that tour. They didn't get played that weekend that we were kind of surprised by Raven last stop pig was played five times in the encore, uh, oh. that summer boa opened several shows, uh, fish tender graves. Grace had 13 plays. I'll just never <laughs> see it. Uh, Kill the King. Break Free was played 19 times that summer. Granny, what would you say? Uh, Dido was in the bag. had been played once. Pay for what you get twice. Jane, three times. 41 only played three times in summer 06. Um, so kind of crazy. Um, yeah, just sprinkle, sprinkle maybe uh, those in for Can't Stop Dream Girl Hunger, and you've got just epic epic stuff but it was still an epic weekend um both of those shows they played their hearts out um we saw three all-time performances of songs so we've got that going for us which is nice um but yeah last lastly to wrap it up bruce 15 years later what is your biggest takeaway from this weekend what do you what do you think about it the the three uh greatest performances and just the two-step i mean the two-step is going to be an all-timer no matter what that will be always something that i think we'll both remember um and then trench coat guy um and just like the legend (laughs) of trench coat guy will live on forever as well just like that two-step my man i mean it's just bizarre it's crazy Yeah. yeah i'll always remember it being our first trip like to seaville for a dave weekend yes um it was beautiful pretty cool it was yeah 
man, September football weather. It was it was awesome. That's why I went to. I remember that, and I'll yeah, <laughs> I'll always remember that, and I'll always remember our buddy Wolfman dancing <laughs> and just this guy just dancing out of control, having the time of his life in night one, and then he got removed night one and then he ended up sitting right by us on night two again we were like oh that's the same guy it was awesome it was hilarious um but yeah just an absolutely epic weekend bruce and i'm glad we got to share it together and i it was a blast reliving it all right now it was it really was and we we've been waiting to do this one um we love those shows we still love them and i don't know if others love them as much as us but we don't care you're going to uh you're going to hear us wax on and wax off about them because we just absolutely just adore them. Yeah, this is our show. <laughs> we'll talk about what we want. <laughs> yeah, but th- no, that was fun. It was fun to revisit, re-listen, and re-watch, um, especially with the, um, I didn't know that night um, that night one was a video for Copperpot, uh, or from Copperpot, and I got to watch that. So I'm going to revisit these um, from time to time, and hopefully you guys will go and uh, watch them as well. Um, Nolan, this was uh, fantastic. This was a ton of fun. Um, yeah, I guess next for us is going to be that wrap-up SPAC Irvine Summerfest. Um, we've got Jones Beach here this week. I guess we'll talk about that. We'll bring in a bunch of shows for you guys um, coming up here soon. But we needed to get this one out on the anniversary. It was too important. Oh, yeah. Yes, 15 years. Hard to believe. Um, man. With a, lot, a lot has happened since then when we were back in high school. Um, so oh. if you're older fans, I hope you can enjoy our uh, our takes on all of this because um, we've, uh, man, we've enjoyed talking about it. So Bruce, let's wrap this thing up and uh, we'll have to come up with some more anniversary shows down the line. Absolutely. I love doing these. I love doing these almost as much, if not more, than the, uh, the, the live tour stuff. Um, except for when they oh, play yeah. stuff like Last Stop, Stone Pig, Dreaming Tree, all that cool stuff, which they um, need to play Last Stop and Dreaming Tree this summer. Let's go. Um, yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> Love it. Hopefully uh, you guys did as well. Let us know. Um, let us know if you were there, if you had some different experiences, if you have some more trench coat guy stories, uh, things of that nature, let us know. Um, again, Corner of Gray Street um, is on all the socials at Gray Street Pod. Um uh, graystreetpod at gmail.com email um, so shoot us some of that give us five star review if you want to review us on um, Apple iTunes um, all of that good stuff we definitely appreciate all of that um, and yeah if you've got some shows coming up enjoy those um, and we'll see you guys next time I guess maybe next week with a bunch of t- shows to wrap up with and we'll see you guys next time on the corner of Gray Street. Gray Street